Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's the Curious Anarchy Lifestyle. I'm your host, Jermaine, aka Curious, and I'm alongside Mark, aka Content. How are you, Mark? Jermaine, Gregory, how are you, sir? Can I just say... Very well. How are you, first of all? I'm fine, but can I just say what a pleasure it is to hear your dulcet tones on the radio again. If everyone in the world is listening, I wish you the best of peace and joy of listening to Jermaine as he soothes your earlobes with constant calm. Let's hope so. Uh, I think the rate that we're going, uh, things aren't very soothing at the moment. So, well, they're not. But you, but you bring a soothingness in your in your in your style, in your uh, level-headed approach to life. Thank you, thank you. And uh, I have to say, it's an absolute compliment coming from yourself <laughs> thank you for that right today uh curious anarchy please um if you're listening on spotify there may be some questions if you're listening on apple Podcasts, if you're listening on google cast overcast whatever cast it is whatever streaming <laughs> platform you're listening on please tweet us let us know um it's good to know which one you're using to listen to us on and also which is your favorite which is your favorite platform to listen to us on? i don't know nice I, I kind of which, which do you listen to podcasts much Mark? yeah yeah which which platform do you use um you... piccadilly line yeah uh, sorry no um, platform. <laughs> not train uh, okay uh that was oh, the platform i used um i usually <laughs> use anchor it's, it's quicker to find it for me on Anchor because it's marked as favourite. So I find it easier to go on Anchor. But if I didn't, I'd probably use Spotify, I would have thought. Mm-hmm. Well, um, as it happens, our top, uh, top streamed platform is Apple. Apple. Is it? Yeah, believe it or not. Okay. I do, I do post that link. But I would say that I don't post that link as often as the anchor or even. Okay. Spotify. I didn't know we were on Apple, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been we've been on Apple. I think I think we had some issues um, at the beginning with Apple. Uh, I think it was around four or five weeks before we got onto the onto that platform. But, okay. So if you're listening on Apple, you're our core. Uh, listeners <laughs> absolutely and if you're listening on uh, Overcast um, I don't know some long way you rain dark clouds or something <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway so Curious Muse thank you all so much for tuning in um, it's such a pleasure to have your presence with us listening interacting also in the DMs as well on Instagram Twitter and so on it's um, it's really, it's kind of a relief to know that people are listening. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's great to know that we're getting the listens, but when we know that people are actively engaging, that's when I find that it's it's really touching on. Mark, anything from um, you before we uh, dive into? No, I just uh, I would agree with totally with you on that one, totally. And if you're listening anywhere in the world, I hope it's okay with you where you are. Hope you're enjoying yourselves. <laughs> As opposed to not anywhere in the world. Yeah, on a different planet, I can't speak to you, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what's really, really interesting, actually? Um, well, not really, really interesting. Um, Anchor, they have in the analytics section, via the website, the web browser, 
um, version, you can actually go into the locations. And if you like click out enough, it will take you to like the planets. So you'll see Mercury, Earth, Mars. Nothing's in any of the other ones. Wow. But then you click on Earth and it will take you into our, our section. It's really strange. I don't know why they do that. Some so if, we, if I looked on Google, uh, Google Mars for us, would I find our platform? Possibly. That's, that's what Anchor is telling us, that, that it's potentially available on other planets. Wow. Okay, okay. Cool, cool. Um, found interesting. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, you're hearing what Jermaine and I found interesting of, of an evening. What I found interesting is I learned something today. I learned that... Um, Occasionally, in the history of the planet that we live on, there's a thing called a polar flip. Oh yeah, pole shift. Yep. yep. Have you heard of this before? Yep. I'd never heard of it before. It's amazing. Um, mm. Do you know how often it happens? Every, oh, it's something like every two and a half thousand years or something. Two hundred thousand years. Don't tell me it's about time. <laughs> no, I was going to say, but it hasn't happened for about 700,000 years. So it's well overdue, actually. Well overdue. All right. So, yeah, well overdue. But do you, know what what? Phenomenon, do you know what the actual phenomenon, phenomenon is? What it actually happens? Well, go on. Welcome to Science Weekly. Um, so what actually happens <laughs> is the, the, the Earth's poles reverse. So the, the North Pole becomes the South Pole and the South Pole becomes the North Pole. How fascinating is that? So you're telling me that Australia will be in the Northern Hemisphere? Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. And it's also, it happens because you have like a build-up of, of um, I can't remember what it's called now. I think it's it's something like molecules going in different directions in the Earth, in the Earth's core. And mm-hmm. usually it's in sync. So 5,000 go one way, 5,000 go the other, and it keeps going like that in zigzag sort of thing. And every now and again, they fall out of sync, like too many go in one direction. Let's see. So then that shifts things from the inside. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. interesting. It is interesting. What's shifting also interesting the inside, is... The outside. I like it. And what's also interesting is that if the Earth changed shape, direction, and speed in any way, we would lose gravity as we know it. Oh, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, there's just, you know, the idea that sort of everything about the Earth runs in a perfect symmetry. Well, at the moment it does, but if it, if there was a moment it didn't, things would change quite dramatically, quite dramatically. Could do. We could be uh, floating around. Just want to reassure people, if you're listening in uh, and you're hoping to hear the curious uh, anarchy, curious muse, and you think you've stumbled into Science Weekly, you haven't. We're just chewing some muse about the uh, scientific origins of the planet. So uh, thank you for listening. (laughs) As always, it's a pleasure. Um, So next up on the agenda... Well, um, Jermaine, I think this week, like, I think every now and again, we hit a week where it gets a bit like Alice in the Looking Glass or Alice in Wonderland, where just mad things happen with for no apparent reason and no and no real coordination. They're just, just a, a pattern of silly news stories, basically, because we had the whole 
build up around the, the you know the jubilee of the what was it called the platinum platinum jubilee of the queen we had all of that and so that was the weekend yeah. it was all built up. and then we've had like since then it's just become like just a mad week we've had yeah, the first day of the week was the was the from within the Tories, nothing to do with anyone else. A, a sort of rebellion where forty-one percent voted against the leader of the party. Well, well, it, it, it was tipped um, as the, the. I think it was kind of tipped to be the beginning of the rebellion against everything, and and you know, there's going to be an overthrow of government. But as per usual, Boris has somehow managed to anchor himself in. And he's done it very well. I mean, and what was it on Monday? It was I remember seeing a, an article pop up, and he said between six and eight p.m., Boris will be making an announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the no confidence vote. And can you just fill in the listeners what a no confidence vote actually is? So just basically, uh, you can only have a no a no confidence in your leader vote when within your own party. So basically, if members of the of let's say whoever whichever party is in power usually they have the majority in parliament normally nine out of ten times they have the majority in parliament so so the threat to that majority is that if let's say a uh, hundred change their vote for instead of supporting the party to against it you know they with Theresa May she couldn't get any policies through because the, the the opposition parties and the opposition in her in her party made it impossible for her to pass any policies at that point Mm. Um, so basically, it's if it starts off by 54 people, 54 MPs have to write a letter. In this case, to the Monday Club, which is a secret sort of a part of the Tory party. <laughs> the nineteen, the nineteen twenty-two Monday Club. So the nineteen twenty-two Monday Club, which is a secret sort of branch of it, which is like the inner sanctum. The elite. Of the, the elite, elite of rulemaking within the party. So yeah. that means yes. they have to abide by a parliamentary law. They have to abide by Tory law, whatever that is. Because, you know, the one thing we've been sort of saying all year and if not for two years is how much they've ignored law, rules, just just moral, any moral direction. Mm. And I think this was a, an action where a certain group of them thought, we're losing our, our whole moral authority in the same way that people that supported Trump in America you know you're losing your moral authority if the person you're supporting has got no morals and does whatever they want and it traps over anything to do with tradition and rules and all this stuff so so enough of them were like we need to challenge this now because we're going to go back to we're going to have a couple of elections coming up and we're going to lose our authority basically most of us could lose our seat in the next election if we're not careful mm-hmm. so what they've done this time around is they've 41% have opposed him, which is just under half of the of, of the voting Tories. And what that means is they're kind of giving him another sort of length uh, of state. Yeah. I mean, mm. you know, in theory, they can't vote again for about two years, but they're going to probably change it's the laws. Yeah, they won't change it to one year, if yeah. not sooner, if things go worse than they have been up to now. Yes. Now... But I, I have also heard about discussions potentially for another one under certain circumstances not sure exactly yeah no that's are, what i'm saying to you it could happen but it would have to be a gross um downfall I mean, what what could be more gross misconduct really 
than what's already occurred. Well, there's a quite a lot. What would actually with have to happen? No, there's quite a lot because you turn around and say, you know what? Actually, this is. A well, you have to look at from that from their point of view is their vote their seats are hanging in the in the wind at the moment and if it gets worse if if, if bad things happen to go even worse you know it would be the case of them forcing it would be the, the only change. option yeah they'd have to now what i found interesting is i heard a discussion today with lord frost i don't know if you know who he is who is he lord frost. so he's the guy who was What's the word? He, he wasn't actually an MP. He was a like a top civil servant or something. He was the guy yeah. who was who was um, what's the word? Sanctioned to negotiate with Europe for over uh, Northern Ireland and Ireland around uh, how Bre- how it would work after Brexit. Mm-hmm. So what happened was he was let's call him David Frost. He he was the guy asked to do this negotiation. That is that his name? I think it is. I can't remember. Just, just to be sure. <laughs> you can check it out. I can't remember. In case we're calling out someone who's absolutely nothing. Right, his name is someone Tory Frost. Okay. Now, so what <laughs> yeah, he did was, what he did was, he was meant to negotiate with Europe the agreement around Ireland. As you know, it's been the biggest contentious problem we've had. His argument was. It's because I think the whole Europe, world knows that. Well, his argument was it's because Europe weren't being flexible enough when Europe were totally flexible around that decision. So he made an agreement which was ridiculous. I mean, it hasn't helped anybody really. And um, first of all, you've got the issue of how long it takes to get stuff through from Europe into England and vice versa. And then secondly, you've got this thing where you know the border at the moment is somewhere in the in the in the sea. So nothing he did worked well and for failing like he did he was made a lord and now sits in the house of lords can you imagine so he has then come out the past couple of weeks and said we should just scrap the agreement with europe around ireland what excuse me he's he thinks that the the agreement they've got with, with europe is rubbish and it should be scrapped and what would be in its place? A new, we'd have to make a new negotiated agreement. Oh, with right, okay. But what I'm saying is, this is the guy that made the agreement. <laughs> right. This one I said to you about Alice in Wonderland, this is the start of Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> the guy that made the agreement wants to tear it up because the agreement's rubbish, and he's the one who did it. You know what? But a very small amount of kudos to him for actually coming out and saying you know what this is actually pants let's no, scrap not, it it's not kudos it. he's he's now look, so what he's done is achieved negotiating a rubbish agreement with Europe because of that he got promoted to House of Lords and now he's coming out and going well we might as well just scrap the thing because it doesn't work and it's like what you're the one that did that you could have argued any way you wanted you argued the wrong way and now you're saying the person <laughs> Who made that agreement is in the wrong, which is you. <laughs> Maybe. If that's not Alice in Wonderland, I don't know what he oh, I was going to say, you know, like when um, someone's got their last day at work yeah. <laughs> and they yeah, just right. screw stuff up. <laughs> just, you know what? Fuck this place. I'm done. That's kind of what. And one of the worst things about staying on and being 
like yeah, and it's, you it's a promotion for the House of Lords. Is that a promotion? Or is it like a Yeah, of course it's a promotion. Like a sidestep. It's know. a it's a it's a it's a no, it's, he was a civil servant, so it's he gets promoted to the House of Lords. He becomes a lord of this country. But doing what exactly? Anyway, uh, let's move on because, you know, <laughs> there are plenty of other stupid things that are going around. <laughs> so let's go to the next one. Oh, let's um, go to this one about Boris and uh, the right to buy. Oh, you want to so, go to that one? Because okay, I was going to offer you A or B and you went for A. Okay, so A, I want to I wanna say this. That Boris's decision... So today he had a talk with some students, I think in Scotland, where he talked about going forward about how we can how he he and we as the Tory party him and the Tory party can honour the pledges they've made to the people that they've let down for the past three years so he wants to talk about how they can go forward so for this is for the people that still believe a word he says wow. because they've realised a lot of reparations no it's like <laughs> we need to sort you know keep our word about the thing. really you spent three years lying about absolutely everything and now you're going to keep your work okay that's really interesting to watch for those people that still believe that that's possible but okay just before we get into that before we get into this discussion this speech you gave in Scotland today we just have to say that for the first time ever in this country a family going out in their car this weekend would have had to pay a hundred pounds for fuel which is unheard of so that's how bad things have got and we've got people pensioners living in absolute you know, choice between heat and heat and things like that. We've got huge amounts of poverty up and down the country, food banks everywhere. I think you, t- you were telling me a story about a place where the local authority wasn't going to give food banks because they had no one to donate it because people are in such poverty. So, so there's yeah. so much going on wrong in the country. Boris stands up today and says, it's all going to change now. We're going to put stuff into the NHS because at the moment in the NHS, it can be an eight-hour wait for a, 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 an ambulance, and it can be a fourteen-hour wait in a hospital to get seen. So he's talking about putting more money into the NHS. Now the problem with the NHS is, as many nurses have come out and said, it's not just about putting money in. You've got to train people. You've got to have the staff. You mean, just people aren't there. You know, you you let it run down to nothing, and now you're talking about investing money. Well, that's it's a little bit after the horse's bolted in a way. Something needs to be done. Something really, really does need to be done. Right, but the problem is, talking about doing it now and investing in it now, where's your plan? It's like, yet again, another thing that they do. So, but I'm just trying to build a picture. He's saying today, we're going to do money into the NHS, money into education, all these things. And then at the end of it all, when he says all of that, he says, we've been through a very hard time. What with Brexit and what with the war in Russia, huge winds of destruction have been around. What, no mention of the pandemic? Sorry, yeah, COVID as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, because of all that, we've been through huge problems. He said, so what we're going to do now is is to make these changes because now we can, because of the successes we had through the pandemic, like we were the first one to get everyone vaccinated. We're about 14th in line now of how, like when you look at across the world or across Europe, we're about 14th in line we're behind some very small countries uh, in terms of that we haven't got 100% vaccination in this country, whereas other countries have. So although we had a head start putting out the vaccine, we're still not even best at that, even though he likes to say we are. 
<laughs> but, but, but um, I think that report that came out we are nowhere near the reports that finishing about all the things everything to do with all this we're nowhere near it so like he has to try and do this goodwill message now because he knows in the next couple of months we're going to get so many more reports back going you've messed up here you messed up here I mean we had a report a couple of weeks ago where it's the, the, the government were to blame for the death of people in old age home but literally they were found culpable but I'm saying you know we have, we're nowhere near the end of all we're nowhere near these, the end of these reports nowhere near it is so ridiculous. what I'm saying is so his answer to all this but then he said but we can't spend our way out of uh, out of a crisis. Mm-hmm. So then, hold on, how are you going to do it then if we can't spend our way? How's right. that going to work? So, like, we've had allegedly record spending uh, during this pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richie Sunak, you know, coming out as as almost as how, how could we really paint Richie Sunak riding yeah. out on a horse yeah. with his sword, you know, held down? guard in the other hand is his shield um just leading the pack in terms of investment and, and ideas things but like you say uh, that, what was mate, it what was it the the eat out to help out right yeah, you say things. all that but you say all that but actually if you compare us across europe we come out very poorly in terms of how much was actually invested in the population hugely hugely poorly what was what our government did was invest heavily in things that Invisible things like uh, uh, equipment to, uh, to help the hospital PPE system. that never arrived. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. PPE that was faulty. And many- there was one occasion, I think this, this may well have been mentioned last year, probably around this time, actually. There was a deal um, where they were coming over from, I think it was from Spain. They bought some from Spain and they were faulty. Yeah. They, they yeah. arrived and they were faulty. Yeah. But we also had three trials of different um, test and trace things in the Isle of Wight that never came to the mainland. There's so much stuff that was just never ever completed. Oh, do you remember that test and trace? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, but what I find interesting about this discussion, you know, is, you know yeah. what? Sorry, just just to interject here. I find it really interesting that there were still signs for this app in shops. Yeah, yeah, no, for real. <laughs> but what I find interesting, far more interesting, is that they find money to invest in things like, for example, bank, the banks, when the banks were collapsing or uh, investing in certain sort of, a, you know, a million, a, was it a billion pound they gave to the DUP, Mrs. May? Um, yeah. And so many other things, they find the money when they need it. And yet when they talk about helping people, no matter, after all that speech about we're going to help, we're going to keep to our promises, but we can't spend our way out of this. You kind of have been up to now. It's only when it comes to the poor that you can't spend your way out of it. Because with everything else, you tend to, you tend to very much spend your way out of these things. Mm-hmm. So, so there's another example there, Jermaine, of where it's like we're living in Alice in Wonderland. It just it just talks gobbledygook and says, "Well, well this is going to happen," and then you like you think, "Well, how's that going to happen if you're on the spend?" For example, how are you going to get more nurses trained and ready to work in the NHS if you're not going to spend money on it right. and give them wages or whatever? Right. Oh, 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 wait, but they did get, what was it, 3% pay rise? No, they were offered. I don't even know if they got it yet. Oh, 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 wait, hold offered. on. We're in June now. They should have got that pay rise. You'll have to find out, but you I'm just saying, I, I wouldn't want to make those statements without being sure they actually did get it. But but I'm saying to you, 
that isn't enough to attract people to come and work in the NHS. And, and the, the problem with the NHS is it's all privatised in different ways. To actually restructure it properly and get it working properly, it's going to cost a lot of money. And we don't, we're not going to spend our way out of this thing, apparently. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, when, when you say that it's privatised and when it's, it's, it's fragmented, it's a fragmented privatisation. So it's like being decentralised. So we've got um, a situation. Yeah, go on. We've got a situation where on the same day that they're announcing families are paying over £100 for a, a, a tank full of fuel for their car, we've got him coming out and talking all this gobbledygook. And on the same day, they're announcing that they're going to put up the age limit of smoking a cigarette in this country one year every year until it's phased out. Yeah, I, I think it was um, over eight years, I think it was. No, um, they're talking about one year increasing every year until it's phased out basically you know what i was going to talk about the the complicatedness of the nhs staffing system there's like you've got different people who are paid by different companies or working in yeah, one yeah. Right? well hold so, on you need to, you need to first of all break down how it was we we had a nationalized health service where Historically, what we had was doctors in charge, then you had matrons in charge of every ward, and then you had nurses underneath them and trainee nurses underneath them. And that's how the system worked. And it worked so that then you also had, for example, cleaners and uh, the catering staff, etc., all part of the hospital, all part of the team, and it all worked like that. Now, all those things have gone out to private tenders to different companies. It just doesn't work. A lot of them are on zero-hour contracts, so a lot of them don't turn up. A lot of people were working who've now gone back to Europe. I mean, it's a mess. And it's a mess that if it was something to do with the wealthy, it would be sorted out immediately. And I can guarantee you we'll be having this discussion in a year's time. Totally. As we pretty much are based on last year. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we some of them could say, well, at least last year we were in a pandemic. Well, we're not in a pandemic anymore. What's your excuses now? So what's the issue? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and then they're so, saying, well, smoking is um, damaging for your health, so we're going to increase it one year, for the, uh, you know, every year for the next whatever. And you think, well, hold on, mate. If you're saying it's damaging to the country and damaging to people, wouldn't you stop it straight away? Like, drugs are illegal, right? You're not saying people can take cocaine for the next ten years, and you know we'll increase it every every year by one one year older, so that you can't get it. You know, so how comes cigarettes can just roll like that forever? <laughs> We're introducing a staggered system. Yeah, I mean, this is the way they think. <laughs> this is the way they think, and it's really interesting to say as well. Boris, hearing him give a potted history of of, of the country. And it was just so, it was so sketchy. You think, did someone give you a, a, a hymn sheet or something? Because what you've said is so sketchy about the history of the country. It's just so poor. But anyway, allow that for now. Allow that for now. We'll move on to something else. <laughs> so, yeah, so going back to this uh, thing with the sort of staff <laughs> in the uh, NHS. Excuse me a sec. <clears throat> <clears throat> Wow, being attacked. I'm getting ready to uh, phone an ambulance if you carry on like that. 
Or they won't be around for a few hours yet. For a few um, hours, you have a couple of hours to play with it. I'll, I'll probably have uh, healed over by then. Um, so, yeah, so there are different classes or different types of staff that work in our hospitals, our hospitals, as I'm pretty much sure for the majority of the world, or at least the Western world, systems are probably quite similar. Um, we have these different hierarchies of, of uh, ranks, if you like. So what was the equivalent to a matron nowadays? Well, we is don't have it. We that... don't have it today. No, no. Okay, so there's... <sighs> So you have your nurses, and then you have your doctors, and then you have your consultants. Now, your consultants can be from any company. I think these are all agency staff um, hired in, and they will have their own pay for what. So you can be in a job, um, say, for example, you could be a consultant in gynecology, for example, and anything, right? Um, but because you're private staff hired in, you're paid more than the staff who are paid by the NHS, which is a massive disparity. And then when you add on top and you layer on top of that, the differences in gender and the differences in gender pay, it becomes even more complicated. Now, the thing that we've been really shouting about is the nurses, is because the nurses are primarily paid by the NHS, and they are the stable, as they are in any other country, of any hospital. If you don't have nurses, you're not, you've not got a hospital. Our nurses have worked extremely hard. Um, throughout this pandemic, they've dealt with oodles and oodles and however many fumbles by the government. And when I say fumbles, I don't think these are even fumbles. They're just deliberate acts of, of violence really um, PPE issues um, the tracking ID issues um, issues surrounding uh, zones so we had a system where you could only go so far or if you were in one part of the city you might not be able to attend your regular hospital because it's in the other part of the city which is outside of your zone it's, the untold fuckwittery that has gone on throughout this <laughs> pandemic is absolutely... Well, let me cheer just... you up, Joanne. Let, let, let's, let's come back to the thing you wanted to talk about today, the Prime Minister's plan to get, let people uh, get a mortgage. Should we discuss your plan? What you think your plan is for that? I bet he doesn't even have a plan. Well, let's come to that, shall we? Let's talk about what he's actually saying. Mr Johnson restated the government's commitment to extending a home buying scheme known as a right to buy to housing association tenants. He said he wanted to extend it within existing spending plans and ensure one-for-one -one replacements of each home sold. The Prime Minister also said that universal credit recipients would get to choose whether to spend their benefits on rent or put them towards a mortgage. Okay? So, changing these policies, he said, will help millions realise the dream of home ownership. Happy with that? Why are they trying to push people into home ownership? Well, 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 this sounds well, this very... 
That's Jermaine, right. that's the start. Now let's deal with the reality, because you know with Boris, when he says stuff, it tends not to be based in any reality that we know of. Maybe in, in Alice in Wonderland, but not in real world. Now let's talk about the reality, shall we? The PM has also failed to commit to the, to, to the pledge to build 300,000 houses a year in Britain by 2025, something which was in their 2019 manifesto. Okay. So if people are buying their property, where are other people going to live if they're not building the houses to replace the ones being bought? Do you have an answer for me? <sighs> Hold on, but don't stop there because I haven't I, finished I, yet. I, I reckon he's going to make it happen somehow. It's not entirely clear how the government's right to buy policy is going to work. There is already a shortage of social housing without selling properties of 1.1 million. There's 1.1 million people on a waiting list. The, the government has not revealed who will be able to take advantage of the scheme, how much it will cost and whether it will be capped. Now, this is, the, this is the piece of resistance. If anyone's been following Johnson, this is the piece of resistance. This is the third such pilot scheme. Previous ones found that the housing associations properties were not eligible to be sold, and there was a concern about the financial risk being taken by participants. While the government said that there will be funding for social housing to replace each home sold, previous pilots have had problems with replacements coming quick enough or being like for like. The policy depends on negotiations with housing associations, which will not necessarily want to take part. Got it? Have, feel happy about buying your own home now? <laughs> this sounds very enticing. It sounds very Boris. That's what it sounds like. It sounds incredibly Boris. So basically, there's a scheme where there's not enough money being put into it. There's been no negotiation with anyone else. They're not replacing houses. They're, they're breaking uh, the agreement to build enough houses in time. So, effectively, it's going to be a great idea on paper. Did he do something like this last year? Yeah, that's what they just said. It, 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 it's done three times they've put forward this scheme. And what's it, what'll be interesting is, by 2025, to see how many new houses have been built and how many people actually bought their property on this scheme. That will be really interesting. So there you go, Jermaine. There you go. That's with that one. So let's let's. What I find also equally quite interesting is, is when I mentioned about him doing something like this last year, he did something very similar with the uh, hotels. Yes, he did. That was for the uh, people coming in from the airport. <laughs> and again, he didn't talk to the hotels until afterwards. He announced so like, the plans okay. on TV <laughs> without speaking to the people that he needed no, to speak to. No, but the equivalent to. would be, he did the same thing with police about when people went out, out you know, breaking the, 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 you know, like going out into the public when they were meant to be indoors. Police weren't informed about how they were meant to respond to it, what they were meant to do, nothing. And and it's interesting. It's like, imagine he said, um, I'm going to see if a number of the cabinet can stay at Jermaine Gregory's house tonight. And he doesn't phone you till one, one in the morning to go, oh, Jermaine, by the way, do you mind if uh, some people come and stay over at your house? That's effectively what he does every time. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
So oh. I don't know where we I don't know where we go with that. I really don't. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, it was kind of surprise surprising. And it kind of really shows you how inept Boris's management, his leadership yeah, is. Absolutely. Um when this situation happened last year with the hotels and the some I mean, like spokesperson or something, a representative yeah. of the hotel it, branch it, it, came out that we've year. had no conversations about this. But it's been happening every year. We just haven't focused on it every year. It's been like literally this scheme is the third one since 2019. How many years have there been since 2019? Wow. There's even been an election between them. Well, I'm just saying, wow. just look how many years they've been and how many and there were three failed some proposals that never came to anything so far. Now, interestingly enough. Um, we we could say what else has been going on this week, Jermaine, for people? You know, since post post the the um, what's it called the jubilee celebration? What else has been going on for people? Anything you want to bring up? Um, <clears throat> I think because we we briefly mentioned it in a previous episode i just wanted to mention the amber depp amber depp situation amber heard johnny depp situation um johnny depp has i think won his case yeah he did um and secured (laughs) this thing about paying damages and all of this that and the other so basically, Amber owes him ten point three five million or something like that. And then which she... I read today, which I read today, he said he's, he doesn't necessarily want to take from her. Right. I think it was more about clearing his name for him. To be honest, I don't think it was about the money, because I think right. the case itself, the full case, when you come back to the full case, is, is over a hundred million pounds. So I think you know this eleven million is it, it's more like um, him trying to clear his name about with the film studios and what have you because she was going around saying he's a this he's a that and it's cleared that so um she's come out really badly in this she's come out as um probably the the person most distrusted from the whole process Mm -hmm. a lot of that was to do with i think the, the ineptitude of her legal team compared to his but also some of the stuff she was saying and this has been recorded where she's not been a particularly nice person He's not been a particularly nice person. He's been nicer than her, though, in terms of the way he's dealt with things. But there's not a lot in it. I mean, they, they, they both haven't exactly covered themselves with glory. Mm. Mm. And that, that's also one of the, the points that I wanted to make about that situation as well, because it's it's a very... You know, these celebrity relationships, they're seen as, you know, like the, the pinnacle or the, the ideal of how relationships should be. And, you know, we have a very clear example that they are just two people at the end of the day. The problem is, I mean, yeah, with, any, with anyone, even, you know, say you and your partner, the problem is with is, is um, washing your, your public, your clothes in the public, basically. You know, this doesn't have. This shouldn't have had to go to court. It shouldn't have to be played out in the world stage. I mean, to be quite honest, with the position they're both in, they could easily have separated and, and just kept quiet about each other and, and just moved on. Um, 
And it, it was a bit sad that that didn't happen. Um, but but and I and I would say as is, I would say even the case in real life. You know, people just move on. Generally speaking, I mean, it makes more sense to move on if you if you think about it logically, because you know you're not. I mean, even this case with the um, what they called the uh, you know this wag waggate thing as well oh, with yeah. uh, the two footballers' wives. Again, the, the sort of the, the person in charge of the case called them to the bench at the very beginning and said, "I think you'd be silly to go through with this. You'd, you'd be so much better off just settling off out of court and just moving away and, and doing your own thing." And of course, their egos wouldn't allow them to, which I find quite sad in a lot of ways. I think it's it's it's, it's such an unnecessary. Um... And you know what? Know. You're, you're you're touching on that point there with the ego. Yeah, ego, in people's egos getting in the way of fair play, getting in the way of yeah, yeah, it's getting in the way of leadership and building trust with community, with other people, with the nation in certain cases. Um, what's that phrase again? Which one? About, uh, what a Something. What a twist! What a twisted web we 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 that, when first we practice to deceive. That's the one. That's the one. Jermaine, I want to talk to you finally about this case, which has just come to the attention of everyone at the moment. Is where um, it's a part of the whole Ukraine story, where a, a section of land which is governed by people who are friendly to the Russians have captured two Brits and a Moroccan who were fighting with the Ukrainians against the Russian forces and are now facing the death penalty, well, have been found guilty and are likely to be sentenced to death. Wow. I, I, I From what I, I read, I thought it was 15 years. But No, 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 no. Okay, that's, that's seemingly now, What's interesting about this is there's quite a few things that are interesting about this. I mean, obviously, the first thing that's interesting is that it's... Um, what's the place called now? It's in actually in eastern Ukraine, in a place called the Donetsk People's Republic. So it's a bit of land that Russia has conquered from Ukraine, and the authorities they put in place there are trialling these people. So these people have come across from England and Morocco to fight for the cause of the Ukrainian people. Now, I, I mean, I struggle with that on some levels because, first of all, the British government were prepared to send soldiers over, but they've kind of turned a blind eye to individuals going over, ex-soldiers and people, to go and fight for the Ukrainian army, which, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a noble cause. And of course, we, we want to stop the war on any level, but it's just it's just the, the two-sidedness of the British government of saying, you know, we can't send any troops out there, but we, we won't look if our troops go out there. So that's my first problem. My second problem is the, the people that left this country to go and fight for ISIS and the kind of media and the press they get for having done that, not allowed back in the country sort of thing. And, and it's just, I don't know, it's just... For me, it's like... People not taking war seriously enough. I guess it was what it comes down to for me. Because what you've got a situation is that Russia has been bombing the hell out of Ukraine, flattening towns completely. I mean, they haven't just stopped. 
they flatten them completely. They, you know, it's been the horrendous destruction of of a country that's got way more military power, uh, you know, sort of weaponry and, and planes and bombs than its opposition, and yet they're bombing the hell out of the place. And you're going to get into a situation now where I guarantee you that there's going to be a whole sort of um, set of charades going on where the, where the European governments try and negotiate with the Russian government about releasing these three people and maybe an exchange for Russian soldiers who have been taken prisoner, I don't know what, or or, or something to do with fuel or allowing some of the sanctions to go. You're going to get into a whole kind of political dance. Yeah, yes, that's what I was looking for, political dance. And I don't feel comfortable with it because it's like people aren't taking seriously that Russia has been bombing the hell out of Ukraine. And it's like now there's going to be a whole dance thing done on a political level, just ignoring the fact that that's been going on. And there's just something that just really briefly struck me um, that resonated with the Nazanin case. Um, yeah. From I think it was a couple of weeks, about two, three weeks ago now. Um, I'm intrigued to see how this is going to be handled, considering we've not sent soldiers over there, um, but kind of pretty much just allowed people to go and fight for this cause. We'll be keeping you up to date on that sure as that develops I mean what's going to have to happen is Boris will have to talk to uh, Putin which up to now I don't think he's done and yet I'm pretty certain that Boris is friends with, with a very wealthy oligarch who is a personal friend of Putin and whose son has been allowed to have a, pl- take pl- a place in the House of Lords so he has got contacts with the Russian military elites or the, or the you know, governmental elites. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that pans out, to be honest with you. Mm. Interesting. Interesting developments. Um, and I think I, there was something that I did want to mention, but it's it's gone now. I'll go for I it. Think, I think that speaking for <laughs> pretty much long enough. Um, oh, can I just read you this before you carry on? Yes, yeah, this on. is quite interesting. Uh, a guy called Evgeny Lebedev, M16, M16 warned Boris John- Johnson about the peerage for this Russian oligarch two years ago. Right, so they warned him not to do it, and he went ahead and did it. I mean, Um, this this is the thing. That just sounds like Boris. But that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting that he was told by by the security forces. So this reminds me of Trump. A senior Tory MP has said he he can't believe Boris Johnson made Russian-born media mogul Egveni Lebdev, a lord. 
So Bernard Jenkins made the comment behind closed doors in February as he called for tougher scrutiny of who MPs accept donations and hospitality from. The PM has been advised against awarding Mr. Pedrov with a seat in the Lords, but he's done gone ahead and done it. He's not he's not even a donor to the Conservative Party, but senior politicians, including Mr. Johnson, have enjoyed his hospitality at parties and other events. I mean the newspaper claimed that Mr. Johnson had personally intervened to get this guy a, a place in the Lords. Wow. He's the son of a Russian banker and an ex-KGB officer. Make of that what you will. I mean, there's plenty of cards close to your chest. <laughs> yeah, there is that. I, I don't think you can accuse Boris of that. He's, uh, Boris and, and, and Trump seem to don't care who they socialise with because um, they seem to think somehow... It's going to help them to sort out situations like the war with Russia. And I would say it's quite the opposite. They can see how feeble they look. You know, if you look at someone like Putin and you think, you know, you've got to be strong to survive, and you're looking at Johnson and Trump and you're thinking, this is the opposition to me. I'm not particularly worried. Uh, And on that note, um, there are even further stories coming out about this uh, initiative, if you can even call it that, by the government to forward migrants, uh, peoples who have been displaced from their homes in the Ukraine, who have made it over to the UK, um, and then forwarding them onto Rwanda. Um, I did even wonder if that was something that Boris came up with in the moment. Um, you, I, was, I wasn't aware that people from Ukraine were being sent to you at Rwanda. I thought it was people that came across the boats from France were going to be sent to you at Rwanda. Yeah. There's, there's, there's been reports where people are, or at least they're talking about sending them from the UK to the Ukraine. To, sorry, uh, from the UK to Rwanda. Wow. So, you know, I mean, I don't know what Rwanda is like or anything. I've no experience with Rwanda. Um, it's, and the thing is, is that it could have been. America, it could have been any other country in Europe, it could be anywhere in the world. It's the fact that you're displacing them even further from their homes. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Well, I mean, just to show you... We have a hand and a responsibility to look after people in given the process it shouldn't even be in this state so Jermaine just to show you an example of what you're talking about um, there was a story came out today I think it was yesterday actually uh, of a 13 year old girl Ukrainian girl who's been forced to return home to Ukraine to the war zone 
because of how slow the, the Home Office were with processing her visa application. She'd been living in Montenegro um, after fleeing the war and she was waiting for her visa to be accepted in the UK. Now her sister, her older sister, had her application approved three, within three weeks, but the younger sister heard nothing and as a result has been forced to travel back to the Ukraine. Wow. And that's a 13 year old girl. Wow. So, did they have parents? I mean, they've got parents. I don't know if the parents are fighting. The parents have been unable to leave Ukraine due to the pair working in essential services. One of them is in the military, the other's a doctor. Right. Okay. Okay. So, I see what's happening there. So what other stories are there like this? Hold on, they sent a statement in Ukraine and English giving their consent for the older sister to act on behalf of the younger sister, but the application was not accepted by the Home Office and the pair were forced to split up. So if you want to know how compassionate our government is, there's your great example for you. Wow. Can you imagine that? Well, can you just? I mean, a 13-year-old girl left to fend for herself. Wow. And you know what's crazy? Um, this is given last weekend I was up in Birmingham seeing my elder two children. Oh, yeah. Uh, with Shiloh. They had an opportunity to meet for the very first time. It was one. Um, my son, my my elder son, he's 13. Wow. Can you imagine? And to think about sending him with an older, I don't know, for me, it'd be like a, a younger cousin, right? Who's kind of around that sort of 19, 20s age. Um, abroad, due to whatever circumstances we're taking yeah, place. Yeah. In this case, war, right? You're, you're sending your children away to a country that you probably don't know, aren't very familiar with um, and then they end up being split up and the youngest one gets sent back I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't want either to be sent back but imagine the youngest one gets sent back on her own yeah, yeah. Wow, that's just madness and this is meant to be um, the compassionate government it's like a weird combination of like home alone in reverse yeah um, and baby's day out well i'm just contrasting with you the way that they've looked after this russian oligarch compared to how they've dealt with this 13 year old girl this oligarch's been allowed to become a member of the house of lords it would you know, appear that with the Tories. Well, exactly. It would appear with the Tories that if it, it's a money thing rather than uh, human rights or uh, feelings of the heart. Well, it seems yeah. much more to do with kind of moral responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morals come at the bottom of a, a of a dollar bill, by the sounds of it. Any other stories on your mind, Jermaine? Um, no, no. no? I think uh, I think I'll uh, leave it there. Mm. Okay, well, I just but, think it's been interesting watching this week uh, because of how much 
like really crazy sort of stories have been happening. And I did say to Jermaine, and I'd like to do this on the uh, Curious Anarchy site, is I'd like to do a, a sort of a, a grid with homelessness, hospitals, uh, war, etc. And on the other side, all the different Tory ventures. Because it seems to me every now and again, people disappear. We haven't heard from Priti Patel for ages. We haven't heard from Mr. Wallace, the, the, the sort of uh, defence secretary. We haven't heard from these people for ages. We've heard from Boris a lot this week. We've heard from Rhys Mogg this week. But it just seems that they rotate who's going to be, you know, taking up the story. And I guarantee mm. you Monday there'll be a different story with a different one of them standing up and saying something completely ludicrous. And then we'll suddenly say, where's Boris? He's not been around for a couple of weeks. And it just seems to rotate like this. And the stories keep changing. Homelessness, war, um, drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, uh, street crime, uh, jobs. You know, it just, it's like every week is a different one. You could just, it's like having um, one of those things you do at Christmas with the... Uh, the crackers, pull the cracker. No, the, the, the thing that we count down to Christmas with uh, chocolates. Oh, the uh, advent calendar. Yeah, right, it's like that. It's like an advent calendar. <laughs> Where you open the door and you don't know which MP and which crisis you're going to deal with. <laughs> it's like, uh, what do you call it? The, the cookies that you get when you get yeah. Chinese. Oh, uh, fortune <laughs> cookie. There's a, there's a little, like yeah, fortune cookie, yeah. yeah. There's a little message inside. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is what we're going to do today. Yeah, well, that's, that's what But you have to have two. You get one that says the, the issue, to say the issue, this what time is um, uh, mental health. And then we'll say the second cookie is which MP is going to be sort of like highly visible this week for the Tories. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's Dory Besser or whatever her name is. Or yeah, it's, it's not, it's something that's just come to mind is um, I don't know if you've seen any of Dave Chappelle's um, sets, but no. um, he's got a, a series, like, I think he's got something like three or four now on Netflix. In one of them, cannot remember which one. I think it's equality and equanimity or something. Um, he talks about um, like his practice um, for jokes. So what he'll do is he'll put a whole bunch of words into a, a jar, and there's a whole joke connected to like what he pulls out. Um, but it's it's just this idea of putting your hands into a bowl, pulling out a, a word, and it's like okay, what's what what does what could we do? We could change. We could invest. We could uh, what are like other buzzwords, right? So there's there's like a bowl full of buzzwords, and then there's a bowl full of like okay, police, health, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like school. Well, we should do it. Well, I mean, curious anarchy. We do it with the Tory MP, you know, the the, 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 the cabinet, and the, the issue because I guarantee you, every week it'll be a different person. I hadn't heard from Reese Mogg for, for weeks and suddenly yes. it popped up this week yeah. and then you know <laughs> it will be like when's the last time I mean Pretty Patel is pretty newsworthy most of the time when's the last time you heard her name in the news when's she last time she faced the, the press in the news mm. ages now and then you can say well what were we talking about four weeks ago Jermaine? what was the main issue in the country oh yeah it was it was how are people going to heat their houses and yes. now it's about how people are going to buy their houses so it's, it's like we need a little cookie where we open it up and go, okay, this week it's going to be um, uh, uh, Ram. What's his name? Ram. And the issue will be uh, sports funding. You know, it'll be like that. 
It'll be like every week will be a different. <laughs> and you know what? There would be absolutely be a take because it, isn't it the world? Uh, is it not the World Cup? The is it the World Cup that's coming up? So he's, he's the, he's the foreign minister. Yeah, so he's the foreign yeah. minister. So I'm sure he'll have some involvement. Well, in what's interesting as well is, what's interesting as well is because people are making a big deal about going to Kuwait, which they should do. But what's mm-hmm. also interesting, and there's a new golf thing starting up, which is kind of be like in the cricket, they changed from doing five day cricket to doing one day sort of tests. Well, not even tests, it was like a massive quick game, and it made it more exciting. Like, uh, especially the Indian League, they paid millions for people to come out there from around the world, different cricketers, and each represent a different place in India. and, and they have a tournament and it's great uh, you know it's a 20 over matches etc really everyone wears colourful clothes it's it's a very quick version of what well, can be a slow drawn out game and the same thing's going to happen to golf they're doing this thing where this, I think it's the it's somewhere in the Middle East they've, they've quite heavily invested in paying millions for the top golfers to come and do this kind of wacky tournament rather than playing proper golf just a wacky tournament um <laughs> And people like Rory, Rory McIlroy have stood up and said, this is going to kill golf because it's going to just take away the very essence of what we do, turn it into a, some kind of celebrity status thing. Mm. And the people taking the money are taking it from a regime that isn't, hasn't got a human rights record. So much like Qatar, sportsmen are going to ignore the fact that they're going to have to go to a place where the human rights are crap. And on, right. that, and on that note, we've hit the hour mark. We have indeed. We have indeed. <laughs> this is curious music. It's supposed to be a 10 minute, 15, 20 minute yeah, yeah. Like shot. Come on. Um, but you know what? It's always a pleasure catching up with you. And I think that Curious Muse has kind of been a reflection of that that development of what it is. <laughs> because we, you know, we we have been doing or recording less, I think. Um but we will be bringing some more uh, brunch with Naomi Osaka back into the realms and also stargazers. Um, we have an interview with an author, Ashley oh, yeah. Royal Evans, uh, coming up later next week. Sorry, next week. That'll be next week. Next week, Saturday. Um, we also have a tea with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Ideological Warfare episode coming out on Tuesday. So look out for that. Subscribe, 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 whatever platform <laughs> you're listening on. Subscribe. Um, give us a follow on Twitter at underscore curious anarchy same handle on instagram um and also this really cool feature which is available on anchor i don't know if any other platform kind of really makes it available but you can send us a voice message and we can attach that um to the episode so if you want to like obviously if you want to give us a shout out that would be great um and you know what even if you had like some really negative comments we'd still post it and include it in an episode and give you a shout out for it too. Of course. Yeah. Um, any final words from yourself? No, I just hope everyone has a lovely week. Have a lovely weekend. Um, it is... <sighs> okay, so technically, yes, it is indeed. It is Friday. Um, Can't argue with that, Jermaine. Happy Friday. <laughs> 
Um, I hope whatever plans you have this weekend. Say again? I missed what you said, Jermaine. Sorry. Hello? Are you cutting out? Hello? Okay, I'm going to wrap up. Um, thank you all so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. Myself and Mark have enjoyed it. Um, it's been great to catch up. This has been Curious Muse. Not sure what we're going to call this yet, but it will be titled when pushed um speak to you soon good morning good afternoon good evening and good night